Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Over the last uh, uh, um, week or so, we've been in a 21-day prayer and fasting journey. How are you doing? I would punch anyone in the face for a cheeseburger right now. I just want to put that out there. Hey, don't judge me, okay? It's church, all right? (laughs) But um, we're on a journey of prayer and fasting, and it's where we take some time to pause and to pray and to seek God for a fresh move of God in our midst. And I'm believing that the Lord is speaking to you and the Lord is stirring in your heart. And if perhaps uh, you're just joining us or you're just starting or maybe uh, you cheated and you had some chocolate or some french fries or pop or whatever, I'm believing that the Lord is going to reward us and for the full 21 days of fasting. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of um, Exodus, um, chapter 3. And as you go there today, I'm preaching from the TV today. So this is, a, this is a first timer, so don't, don't let the TV fool you, though, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach today. Um, but my heart for you today is that I would kind of throw a log on the fire of you pursuing Jesus. So we're going to be in the book of Exodus, chapter 3. And before we start, um, just some historical context. Uh, this book, of course, Exodus, is the beginning of Israel's um, Exodus from slavery. They were enslaved for 400 years and they were praying and they were groaning to the Lord to redeem them. And so the Lord picks a man by the, man, um, by the name of Moses and he is a Hebrew boy. And uh, Pharaoh, of course, at the time, um, he issues a decree saying all Hebrew men and all Hebrews boys must die because the men were, you know, we're starting to become a threat to him. And so thus he is preserved by his mom. He's sent down a, a river. And thus he is raised by uh, an Egyptian woman until 40 years old. And then he murders someone who is harassing one of his own. And then he flees. And, and then he goes because of what he did. And so this moment, the burning bush, is the first of many encounters that Moses would have of meeting with the Lord. And so this burning bush moment was kind of the the start of this whole narrative shifting for them. And here's where we are in Scripture. So it's Exodus chapter 3. And so my title today is When God Calls. When God Calls. We're going to read Scripture, and here we go. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw, when the Lord saw, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, 
God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am, do not come any closer. And God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word today. May we see Jesus. May you bless us and grace us with, it, with, with ears to hear and a heart to understand. Lord, I pray for my Baltimore Ravens playing the Cincinnati Bengals today. God, I thank you that you hear the righteous one. You hear, I am your son and your servant. We slay giants in the name of Jesus, and we declare that they will fall today in Jesus' name. You all set? Amen. Amen. Come on. The Lord says to pray about anything, all right? Pray about anything. Moses, so this burning bush moment was one, of course, of many encounters that God uh, and, and that he would meet with him. And, and so there's this, this, this uh, relationship of him uh, going up a mountain and down a mountain, and he would be with God and speak to God and talk to God. And it's as, as if that the presence of God became his lifeline. And one of the things that as you study scripture and as you read scripture and as you study the ways of God, you will see that God has a way of um, interacting with people and with humans, right? And we know that when he comes to people and when he approaches people, significant things happen. When God comes, what's guaranteed is that significant things happen. Like, for example, when God comes to Abraham, he changes his name and then he becomes the father of many nations. And then when he encounters or when he meets with Jacob, he wrestled with God. Thus, he had a limp. His name changes and thus becomes the birth of the nation of Israel. Then when he meets with Moses, again, this burning bush moment, it is, of course, um, um, to lead um, Israel to the promised land for my man uh, Gideon, his identity unlocked. He is a small man, kind of timid, and he said, mighty warrior, and it changed his life. And then Samuel, who, who was called as a prophet, of course, of the first king of Israel, and, and God said, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, God, here I am, your servant is speaking. And then, of course, Paul, he was knocked off his high horse, and then he encountered God, and became one, one of the pioneers of the gospel in the modern world. When God um, met with the woman caught in adultery, there was grace, and there was, like, and there was uh, forgiveness and freedom. And then the disciples, of course, when they encountered the Holy Spirit, boldness and courage to take the gospel, of course, everywhere, and thus the birth of the church. When God comes, usually significant things happen. Now, normally when the Lord comes, like to us, it's not really um, like planned, right? It's not as if like God said, hey, Moses, just so you know, we're going to meet at three o'clock and there will be a burning bush and it's going to be in flames. By the way, you can't miss it, right? That doesn't happen because usually when God comes, he comes normally as a interruption. When God normally comes to us, it's usually a 
interruption. And there are moments when God begins to interrupt your life. When God comes extra close, when God draws close a little more, when God begins to invade your moment in your life, right now he interrupts your life. And when he does, usually something happens. Names are changed. Power is displayed. People are free. The, the Lord comes and he reveals his love and there is identity. And of course, ultimately history is changed. See, I believe that, that God is always present with us, that as followers of Jesus, as we pursue him, of course, in intimacy with love, that we have access to God all the time. But then there's moments when God comes close. Anybody uh, remember like the um, moment maybe that you felt God or you felt his presence? Maybe you were young or maybe, or, or, or just today, where God comes extra close. And I remember when I was a young kid, I was uh, 14 years old. I was working at Snyder Mountain Ranch. I was working in like the dish pit and there was a retreat going on and I was weighted by my sin and addiction and flesh. And then I heard God just pull me and there was a preacher that was preaching the gospel and he said it, he said, like, if you want to know Jesus, come to the altar. And I remember that moment so specifically because it was a moment God interrupted my life. And I remember not even wanting to seek him or know him, but God came close. And there my spirit was drawn and I, and I uh, uh, like removed like, my apron and I just went, and I went into the altar, and God changed my life, and God spoke to me that I would be a preacher to my generation. Thus, being a stutterer or whatever, God came close to that moment to me. See, when God comes, he usually interrupts your life. And what's important is not, you know, not important you know, not important anymore, right? It's like me doing like the dishes that wasn't actually important anymore. And so when God comes, usually your schedule is rearranged and then, you know, priorities are different. It's like childbirth, right? Right? There's like a 5% chance that kids actually come on their due date, Right? And when they come, it's usually a surprise. And I will never forget the moment that my son, Elliot, was born. Now, just for those of you who don't know, my son, of course, Elliot, is the um, extra grace kid. <laughs> Anybody have that kid? Yeah, you do. Yeah, that kid. He's the extra grace kid. I love him to death, but he needs to get saved as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> but I'll never forget, of course, I was at a church. I was a young, um, you know, youth pastor, and I was actually trying to meet with a student at McDonald's, because that's what youth pastors do. We take them to the most cheapest place possible, Mickey D's. And so we go to McD's, and then my wife knew um, that I was supposed to be focused on this student to make them feel loved and special. And so my wife was actually around 39 weeks at that time with Ellie, and she's strolling through Walmart, and, um, and so, of course, I told her, I said, babe, 
uh, you know, of course, there's this meeting for the student, you know, <clears throat> just don't bother me, whatever. <laughs> so she was like, okay, cool. So anyways, I'm meeting with the student, and I got a 10-piece McNugget meal. Come on, baby. That sounds right. That sounds good right about now in the middle of fasting and praying, right? And so, uh, so of course, I'm eating, and I got, you know, sweet and sour sauce. It feels great. And so we're talking, and we're engaging, and I'm trying to be focused. Then my phone rings. And, of course, it's, you know, my wife. And so I do what is the most healthiest thing for your marriage. I ignored her phone call. <laughs> and, and so I'm trying to be locked in with this student. And I want to, you know, I want to talk to her, you know, whatever. And then she calls again. Husbands, please do not ignore your wife a twice, a second time. And so finally, of course, I... Ignore that again, because I'm like, babe, don't you understand? We share a eye calendar, right? You should see that I'm, that I'm you know, with a student. I'm a good leader, and I want to be engaged, and I want, want to listen. Then finally, she calls me again. I said, just, just hold on for one sec. And so I answer my phone. She's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, you know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm meeting with a student. She's like, hey, my border broke in Walmart. And I said, so does that mean I can't finish my nuggets? Like, because I was really looking forward to these nuggets. And, and she was like, you must be joking. Get your, get your butt over here. And then she uh, drove herself to the Walmart. And thus, Elliot, our extra grace kid, God bless him, born in Walmart. And, um, but that moment when you have a child or when you have a baby, usually when that moment happens, what's important is not actually important anymore, right? Like my McD's in that moment was actually not important anymore. And so this is the presence of God, right? It's, 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 like, it's like when God comes, what's important is actually not important anymore. And I still, to this day, have this one thing against my son, is that he owes me a 10-piece McNugget meal <laughs> because I gave it up for him. But the reality is, and the truth is, that when God comes, he usually interrupts our life. He comes as a burning bush. He comes either a knock on the door, and he comes, and then he comes to interrupt our moment, and usually comes in a variety of ways. He comes externally, right, where you are um, knocked off your high horse or you hit rock bottom. You hit rock bottom or you, where you experience life and grief or maybe God uh, allows through his sovereignty for your life to be shaken up, it's because God is drawing you. God is trying to, of course, interrupt your life and interrupt your moment. So there's externally, but then there's also moments when God begins to draw you, of course, internally, where it feels like angst or feels, you know, what, what our church, you know, People would say like a holy dissatisfaction where you have this feeling where you're like there, like there must 
be more to life. Maybe for 2023, maybe if you've kind of felt that, that feeling of, I just, I just feel like, like there's more to this. And God is inviting you. He's inviting me and he's inviting us, which I believe is the season that we're in right now, personally and as a church, is that God is extending the invite to meet with you. This is simple, but even more now, because I really sense this, this working of the Holy Spirit is that God is inviting you to meet with him. God is extending the invitation to encounter him and meet with him for yourself as a person to meet with him and engage with him and talk with him and to be with him. He comes as someone knocking on the door. He comes as someone as a burning bush trying to get our attention and trying to draw you closer because he wants to release something in you. Scripture says this in Revelation. Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. God is on our doorstep knocking, waiting and drawing close and wanting to meet with you and wanting to spend time with you. You know, it's like, it's like, um, have you ever met like a person who is like locked in on a show, right? And like they can't be moved, right? Our house was blessed with this gift of noise, uh, canceling headphones. Anybody? My son has noise canceling headphones, and, I'm, and he loves that gift for sure. But it's those moments where you're, you know, locked in or you're so in tune to something else, like you're trying to, like, find their attention, and you're trying to get them, and you're throwing, like, spoons at them and pillows, and you're screaming, hey, come on, hey, do you hear me, right? And, and you're really trying to get their attention. So my son has received noise-canceling headphones, and he loves it. Because his excuse is, well, I didn't hear you. I, I didn't know what you are saying. I'm just throwing my son right under the bus, right? But that's the, the truth and the reality is that sometimes we can be caught with noise-canceling headphones on. And when God calls and when God speaks as if we can't hear him, and our hearts are hardened to his voice. Our hearts are hardened to his calling. And my prayer for you and for me and for us is that our hearts wouldn't be so hard that we don't recognize his invitation. That we don't recognize and be tender to hear that when God calls you, respond to him. That when he speaks, that you move toward him. You know, there's a scripture in Hebrews 3 that rocked me. And it's about this, this very story of like the Israelites seeing God move on their behalf and seeing the wonders of God and seeing him move and do things in their life. But yet scripture says that their heart was still hard, that their heart was still callous, that they had a heart that was unbelieving, even despite seeing 
God do amazing things around them, their heart was still hard. Do you know that God can do wonders among you and move in your life and bring breakthrough and freedoms and healing and miracles, but yet your heart can still be hard? Do you know that you can actually belong to a a church like this one and God is doing things right in front of your face and you not actually have a heart that's soft enough to respond to God when he calls? Oh, that makes me want to cry. Because God is inviting you to meet with him for yourself, not just a church of dwellers and not just experience his goodness in the gathering, but also God has a desire for you to experience his goodness and grace in person and presence even in your own home. Even in your own life, God has more for you than just what you experience here or in youth group or in Alpha. God has more for you than that, and God is inviting all of us to experience him. He is at the doorstep. He is in a burning bush wanting to meet with you. But here's the, here's the catch, though, is that an invitation requires a response. For a lot of us, we hear God and we sense God and we feel him move, but here is where it gets challenging as you follow Jesus, is a response is required. You know the phrase um, RSVP, right? Reponde de s'il vous plaît, I think that's what it is. Is that right, is that right? French baby, let's go, right? (laughs) RSVP, right? Usually when someone brings that to you, they're not just like, you know, hoping you come. It's like, well, here's one, no, hope you can make it, right? When they give one to you and say, please respond, they're like, they're expecting you to be there and God's presence comes with a RSVP, is he's inviting, but you have to respond. You know, in my early uh, days in college, I uh, grew up very hyper like reform. You know what that means? It means uh, that God is sovereign and that he comes when he wants, that he's just random, that there's no really role for me to play. You know, I'm just like a robot. There's no really point for choice, and he just kind of does what he wants, and so there's no really role for me to play, right? But as I look through scripture and see God move, like, yeah, there is some truth to that, like, that, like, that um, theology that, that, that God is sovereign and that, that he can do like, whatever he pleases. But there is a response that God is looking for. There is a response that is required, right? Jesus, come and follow me. And they dropped their nets and they responded, right? Go fill these jars with water. Oh, and they responded and go. And God is looking for a response. And he did this with Moses. He says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him. 
So God showed up through a bush. God showed up, but the Bible says, when the Lord saw, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him. Moses responded. There's a, a Jewish scholar would say that this, this uh, burning bush wasn't like a, like a massive New Brunswick burn fire, right? It wasn't like this big thing that like drew crowds, right? It was this little tiny like shrub actually. And matter of fact, this uh, Jewish scholar would argue that actually many people saw it and they just walked by it. But this shrub was just tiny enough where Moses actually had to pause and reflect because he said, hey, uh, this, this bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. So he was there long enough to kind of reflect and think, huh, something's weird about this. It's, it's on fire, but it's not burning up. But yet he responded and he said, I will come, and he comes and draw close, and then God speaks to him. See, when we follow Jesus, we have this, this idea that, well, you know, God can come to me, right? God can meet me. He knows, like, my address. He knows my number. He can come to me, and what is revealed in that moment is our pride and reveals our laziness, but God is actually looking for a response from his people. He's looking for us to turn aside, to turn away. And here's why responding is challenging. It's because responding means that there's a cost. Hey, I just wanna like remind you, being a disciple of Jesus means that there will always be a cost. And Jesus doesn't apologize for that. He's like, hey, guys, um, sorry that you have to actually deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. My bad. I'm I'm sorry. You know, he doesn't come and say, hey, um, is this like an inconvenience for you? You know, like, does your schedule, like, allow it? No, he actually requires a response. You know, Moses had to hike Mount Sinai for three hours to meet with God. But yet for a lot of us, we don't want to drive 20 minutes to church. I'll stop. I'll just stop. I'll just stop. That's too much. I'm happy, Bradford. You know, like he had to hike three hours to meet with God. No, no, no. Hey, God, how about you come down? Let's go meet at a mall somewhere. Let's go meet in a private room, you know, or make this, you know, lamb speak to me. That's right in front of me. Why do I have to go up to you? Because God is looking for a response. You know why? (laughs) Because a, a response requires you to be in submission. And what submission requires is humility. And when you are humble and you make a sacrifice 
it puts you in the posture for God to move. See, what happens is we don't like to respond because it costs us something. Like, yeah, following Jesus means you may not, you can't watch that show anymore. Sorry. Yellowstone is out. My bad. Oh, don't you, don't you think a black brother doesn't know about Yellowstone, okay? Maybe it means that you have to wake up earlier. Maybe that means that you have to stay up later. Maybe that means that you don't drink this or do this or do that. Why? Because at the, at the core of holiness, this old school word of, of holiness, the reason why we don't do certain things or say certain things or, or whatever is because we want our heart to remain tender to his voice. It's not because there's like a list of do's and don'ts and, well, God doesn't want me to have fun, right? No, it's because God wants your heart to be so tender and so soft enough that when he calls, you respond. And that's why we fast, because we strip off the things that we will cling to and not him. That's why we fast food and and media or whatever, because we're saying to God, I want me to be so stripped bare where all I want is you. And God can work with that. It doesn't matter if you're Presbyterian, Baptist, Anabaptist, Wesleyan. God moves where he's wanted. And he's moved where we make space. We got to respond. This reminds me of the Welsh Revival. The Welsh Revival uh, started in Wales. And, and normally when we, you know, speak about uh, the revival and we, and we talk about God moving and there's like miracles and power and power displayed, like we will, we will enter, of course, in that story. We're like, yeah, God moves. Amazing. Yeah, do it more, Lord. Do it more. But a lot of us, when we read the books, don't realize that there's a man by the name, of course, Evan Roberts. No one knows who he is. No one actually cares who he is. But God did. <laughs> this, this revival that broke out in Welsh is, con- is considered one of the, the, the primary like, revivals that has brought, like, Jesus to America was rooted in this Welsh revival. And this man, of course, Evan Roberts, heard the Lord speak to him at 13 years old. Hence why I do what I do. (laughs) He heard the Lord speak to him 13 years of age, and God began speaking to him and stirring inside of him a hunger of what God can do in Wales. And so for 13 years, he prayed night and day, night and day, that God would come, that God would change lives. He prayed night and day, night and day, night and day, night and day, night and day for 13 years, talking about a cost. And then one particular day, he was actually praying with a friend at around 26, 25 years old. And the Lord finally came. 
But, it, but of course, he didn't come like, like that. He came, of course, as a response. And God told them, these, these friends, these guys, of course, Evan and his friends, he said, 100,000 souls. That's all he said. And so they took heed like the word of God, and they began praying, praying for weeks that 100,000 souls in Wales would experience the presence of God. And then, and then they were in a service, and they were doing a, a testimony time, and it was quiet. And the preacher was like, does anybody have something to share today? And like all services, no one spoke. <laughs> Except for one 12-year-old girl who with tears in her eyes in a midst of a sea of people said, God loves me so much and I love him. And in that moment, a spark happened, and all of a sudden, people just began standing and praising and singing and worshiping, and revival broke out in Wales. Like, legit revival between 70 to 100,000 people got saved in Wales. But more than that, the presence of God was so thick in Wales. I mean, so expansive, so, like, powerful in Wales that people worse, like they were not doing their day jobs because they were in church. They had to cancel tour from like theaters because no one would show up <laughs> because they were in church. Because someone paid the cost. Someone was willing to respond. God moved so much in Wales, it says, it says that crime rate was 50% down. That actually like police officers were trying to find work to do. That, that uh, drunkenness was down, that courts were empty, bars were shut down because they had no business because someone responded. And when you think of all the revivals like Brownsville Revival and the Zosha Street Revival and the, uh, the uh, like Toronto Blessing here in Canada, when you think of all these revivals, in beneath those layers was a group of people that said, we are willing to pay the cost. We are willing to respond to meet with him. And that's the season that I believe we're in right now. It's that God is looking for people to respond to him. Whether you are 13, 12, 16, 17, 36, 54, God is looking for people who respond, and who knows what God could do when people respond. And so if you read like the, the rest of the story of Moses, Moses didn't know that God would use him to change a generation, change history. 
Because here's the, here's the truth that I want to leave with you, is that revival comes when we respond to the invitation like, to meet with God. See, church shouldn't be like the only place you encounter God. It, it's good. But church shouldn't be the only place. God wants to meet with you. One last thing, and then I'll close. Um, Susanna Wesley, which is like the mom of John and Charles Wesley, <clears throat> she had 19 kids. Can you imagine trying to find space for God with 19 kids? And I got five, you know. And she had this thing, you know, of course, people love her because she would say, like, of course, you know, what the books would say that because of her faith, John and Charles are who they are, right? And so, like, Susanna had this thing where she put a apron over her head. <laughs> she put a towel or, of course, an apron over her head, and that was... Her way of saying to her kids, all 19 of them, I am meeting with God. Don't bother me. So parents, I don't care what you got to do. You may have to go to the bathroom long enough. <laughs> Mom, what are you doing? I'm meeting with God. Leave me alone. But basically it means that, man, there's no excuse there's no excuse for us to prioritize time with Jesus and to be with him because he wants us to respond. Why? Because he just loves you. He loves you. Would you stand with me, please, all over this room? We're going to pray. We're going to pray over our hearts and believe and trust the Lord. Would you push your hand over your heart like today? Let's not uh, be in a rush. Can we just ask the Holy Spirit to soften our heart? Just ask the Holy Spirit to make your heart soft so that you recognize the voice of the Spirit. So that when he calls that you come. Would you like repent of things that maybe have like distracted you or things that have take that, that uh, prominent place of your heart and your affections and attention. Holy Spirit, we ask God that your Holy Spirit would show us how to be with you, show us how to meet with you. May we be a church, not just a church that where your presence dwells and moves, but God, may your church be, com be comprised of individuals and people that know how to meet with you. And Lord, we do ask and pray and believe in faith. Would you do in the Valley and would you do in West St. John and would you do in Charlottetown and would you do in Halifax and would you do in St. Stephen? Would you bring a move of God? We declare as a church today that we will respond today. 
we will respond to meet with you, whether we're a kid or a teenager or an adult, a senior guy, whatever it is, we choose to respond. And whatever the cost is, God, we lay it down because your glory is worth for more. God, I want to see your glory come to my family. I want to see your glory come to every high school in this area and every middle school in this area. God, we want to see your glory hit every business and every church. God, would you do what you did back in Wales? Would you do it here, Lord? Why did you pick Wales? Because someone was willing to respond. And we cry loud cries. God, would you do it here? Would you do it now, Lord? Would you do it in this place, in this moment? Would you hit every child and every teenager and every baby and every marriage and every single person and every man and woman? God, may we throw off all the expectations and all the things and trying to be seen. God, may we just be so undignified today and choose you over everything else. God, you're our best choice. You're our best portion. God, you're the best place. You're the safest place. God, you're everything to us. So God, we declare to you, we're yours. We respond to you, God. Would you just open up uh, just your mouth like today and just, just pray to the Lord today? Can we just take a moment? Can we just take a moment and just tell him, how much you're willing. Come on, let's just press in right now in this moment, God. We're here for you. Lord, we're here for you. Come on, church. We're a church. You might as well be a church right now. God, we come. Lord, we come. We respond to you, Jesus. We respond to you, Jesus. We want more of you, Jesus. We want your presence, Lord. Above all else, Jesus, would you mark us, God? Would you mark us, Jesus? Would you mark your people? Mark our families, God. Mark our kids, Jesus. Mark our marriages, Holy Spirit. Would you come? Would you mark us, Holy Spirit? Yes, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Lord, bless your people. Bless your people. May we leave this place with a, a greater hunger for you. Lord, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. We all prayed. Amen. 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 Amen.